0: So hi, y'all. I'm so excited to welcome you to Chatting with Creators to talk about your personal journey as composers and also your work on Essex Serpent. For people in the audience who might not be previously familiar with your work or the show, would you mind introducing yourselves in the project?
1: Uh, I'm Dustin O'Halloran, co-composer.
0: Uh, I'm Hartis Demonstrotez, the other composer. Awesome. So, what were your guys' initial thoughts when this project was first pitched to you? I was a little familiar with the story from just like reading I've done, but I was personally like really surprised when I heard it was going to be turned into a series.
2: I actually had never heard of the book or, or the story or anything. So, when we got the scripts, oh, sorry, I got to turn off the. Just turn
0: it back right on. Oh, yeah. There we go.
2: Sorry. <laughs> All good um yeah so my first like um uh, introduction to this was just reading the scripts so it was all brand new to me
1: me as well i yeah i wasn't familiar but it's funny there's so many things that go under the radar and then you google it and you find out you know it's a best-selling book all the it, so many people know about it and sometimes you feel like you live under a rock
0: <laughs> have either of you guys read the book since you were first introduced to it or not yet
2: no,
1: yet. no, I mean, I think there's we're, we're very <laughs>
2: limited time when you start working on a project like this, you just kind of like, yeah, just go <laughs> making the time to also read the story in the evening, it's uh, very ambitious, but you know, I respect people that do that. we yeah. We decided it was enough just to dig into the yeah into the scripts and and just what you know,
1: and the and the scripts were really good yeah. they were they were I think they. Uh, I haven't read the book, so I, I don't know exactly how much shifted in the in the scripts. But it it felt it, it, the scripts felt like a book, and the way that they were telling the story felt as much as what a book could be. I think it, it's always re- it's, I think it's always really hard to turn a book into a into a yeah. film because it's it's such a different medium, and and there's so much more pace pace that needs to 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 be involved to keep a viewer. It, into a story mm-hmm. so
0: what where did you so from the t- sound of it you guys got the script before you got picture when you were first you know reading it what did you think And was it different from what actually ended up coming out
1: I, you know you i i think what we've learned is good scripts always everything starts with a good script mm-hmm. and, When we first read it we could feel it was a really well written script there was a lot of thought a lot of great dialogue and these are the things that every every project that could get turns into a film it has to start there and there was a lot of mood in the scripts and so i think it was you know it was a it was a really good starting point when you see a production it's always for for me it's always really different than your imagination but uh Clio did a really good job of, I think, capturing a lot of the mood and the textures and... and.
2: Yeah, we were actually really happy when we saw the rough cut of the first two episodes. We were like, oh, okay, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always nice, like, after you read a script, because you never know, like, you know, what's gonna happen uh, when you see it visually, but we were really intrigued by it.
0: As mentioned, you know, before this interview and as our viewers know, this show is like made for musicians so feel free to like nerd out or get as technical as you want when you answer this next question what is your guys's technique to co-composing are you guys sitting in down in the dog together is it a divide and conquer kind of thing like how do you guys actually go about doing that work because i know at least for me having just graduated from undergrad we never really learned how to co-compose the closest we got was in my film scoring classes we did one final project where it's like you do the scene and you do the scene and that was all we got
2: yeah it's a definitely a little bit divide and conquer which it can be cool with co-composing because when you're taking on and it's like a six hour uh it's almost like a six hour film so there's like a lot of things a lot of storytelling and you know you kind of have different strengths and sometimes you there's just simply a scene that you just can't crack and then it's so great to have somebody else like hey can you do this i just like can't do this, but when you're alone, like you have all the responsibility uh, on yourself. So we definitely from the beginning um, decided to we have separate studios in in Reykjavík, in Iceland, and we did like talk and, you know, talk about inspiration. But then we started writing um, ideas for the major themes separately, and we would kind of come together in the recording process. And that's when we kind of found the the sound that would tie our music together. And I think what was kind of funny and interesting is that I actually sometimes got confused about what I wrote and what Dustin wrote. And there was like one theme like, and I was like, sure, I was like, I wrote this. And Dustin was like, no, 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 I did this. And I'm like, no way, this is (laughs) something I would write. Because we're also very different composers.
1: So we definitely
2: found a common thread with with the sound we created. Was a recording,
1: and and a lot of things get combined too. The themes we were both working on different ideas and different themes, and then we would start to pull ideas from each other and combine things. and And that's that's also the the beauty of co composing is you get ideas that you wouldn't think of, and then you can work them into your ideas and things that it starts to as the project keeps going as as you keep writing, it starts to become one meld together and become one one thing and it definitely became that it and I, the other thing with co-composing for a film it's a bit e- easier to do on your own but when you're doing a six hour film it's a lot of music to write and it's a lot of it, it's like running a marathon for a composer you have to take care of yourself you have to make sure that you are co- coming up with enough ideas because the story evolves and it really needed new, new music and new parts and new evolutions as it was progressing. So it wasn't something that you could just you know, fall back on a, on a couple of themes. It was really about how it evolved and, it, and the a whole arc of it to the end. So when you have two people writing, I think that you get a much better whole work in, in a way for a project this big.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a lot and it feels like it's never gonna end. It's a little bit like you're on a train that is just like heading to a destination and all you wanna do is like jump out and just bail, but you can't because the doors are closed. <laughs> That's film scoring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I,
0: I love that. I need that yeah. to put on yeah, the next little... <laughs> poster they're selling at the competition. Yeah, 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 that, really. That needs to be the
1: next one. For, for all you <laughs> graduates. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. I love that. That, That's a great metaphor. In that same vein, you've mentioned in past interviews that this was a really emotionally complex score for you guys to personally work on. I was hoping we could dive into that a little bit more as to the why and then how that affected your actual compositional work as you were writing it.
1: Well, I think probably the starting off point was that it was a book and the book has many layers. And, and I think within a book, you, there can, there can be a lot of metaphors and things that resonate differently. And I think she was really trying to retain that quality. So as she approached the writing and the mute and how we approached the music, there was a lot of discussions of how, you know, how to build and create music that, would counterpoint a lot of the emotions and not just scoring the scenes and not trying to direct the audience that oh this is sad or this is exciting or getting away from that and trying to get into the multi-layers of what what was happening and there's a lot of conflicting ideas there's this sort of science versus religion there's the fear of the unknown there's the metaphor of the serpent there's the complexities of love. We never wrote an overt love theme for the characters uh, because it's it's not so. You know everything is very layered and complicated. It's not a just a, a you know clear love story. So that was a big part of how we had to what the things we had to sort of figure out and the and the, the musical puzzle. Yeah, it was not
2: really straight forward we really had to like do especially with like kind of cracking the code of like how the story evolves and the whole kind of love triangle thing that forms um we had yeah i would say one of the tougher elements of scoring was ending the show which is you know i i don't know if i don't want to give spoilers but there is like a love theme that it is you know one part of the story is that it is a love love story but it definitely was like a brain puzzle for us to crack the love theme yeah. because with the conversation with the director it, it's not just like yeah we're in love and it's exciting and we are happy what does the future behold it's uh it's more complicated and there's fear and there is danger and there is you know seduction there's some darkness, there is uh, repression, there's like a lot of other things that come and you need to somehow musically write that and tell like, tell that emotions with all its layers and um, yeah, it's not easy, I think.
1: Yeah, and a lot of projects don't demand that you dig that deep. Uh, this This one really demanded a lot of just being really all in. And I think probably for everybody, for the actors and everybody there was, it just kind of needed, everyone needed to kind of go for it in a way. And I I think they did, we we did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) With uh, right now I'm flashing spoiler alert at the bottom of the screen. What was this cue that you guys think took the most takes to get the theme just right?
1: I actually, maybe it was the end. Like it was the, very, the end. Yeah, that was yeah the, because that is the moment that the love finally comes together and it's all of the layers and complicated elements. And it, it, we were always, it was, you know, we were, it was too melancholy and too dark. I mean, to simplify it, too melancholy, too dark, or too optimistic. And it, when you're trying to find that fine thread, it's, it's, it's hard to 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 figure it out sometimes, and and um, yeah, that that one took some time.
0: How many different versions of the theme do you think there are?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I, it, it, there's probably five, but then of those five, there's like a lot of different variations and things that we tried because it's a long scene and there's a lot of picture moments that are happening. Um and also one of the other things that that Clio was really sensitive to was how it was recorded so w- this score was we couldn't really demo a lot of the ideas we had to record them and so we were kind of re-recording a lot of parts and figuring it out because the way we wanted things to sound was really specific and you can't really get those from samples or demoing it you have yeah, to just and that's go very for it. time
2: consuming you're like i have a small idea and now i need to get in a player in the studio i need to set up i need to record that player then i need to find the right recording and i need to like put it into the session and then i need to mix it for like maybe like 30 seconds and yeah. doing that with like three or four hours of music is an insane amount of work because yeah. a lot of the times when you're doing a more electronic score or you're able to demo with samples because it's the nature of the project it's easier to throw out like here i have three ideas like what do you like but mm-hmm. every yeah. single idea needed to be curated to the detail
1: yeah
0: oh gosh i'm in the middle right now of mixing a full orchestral Piece and it's only six minutes long, and I'm already banging my head against the wall after two days. So, yeah, I, I can only imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's it, the there was 125 cues and and almost three hours of music. Yeah. Oh
0: gosh.
2: <laughs> I don't understand how like one composer can do that. Like yeah. I would probably I don't know what I would do. So yeah, definitely. Sometimes really good to do it
1: in a team yeah yeah i've done a lot of collaborations and and i think that it's a really when you when you have these long form projects i think it's a really good way to do it it's Mm -hmm. a good way to make it make it to the end
0: one thing i've been seeing a lot more especially with these high production shows is the getting together of a lot of co-composing like we saw it with Uh, the Arrowverse beginning with you know Batgirl and Heroes of Tomorrow that was at least when I first saw it it's kind of just been snowballing from there and I've really liked watching how the results have evolved in the past like eight years ten years I don't know how we count the pandemic in that but
1: (laughs) well I think it's the nature of what's happening is that there's less films being made and there's more Eight-hour films or six-hour films, yeah. and they're you know, the, and like you said, the quality is—it's a, a film. It's no longer just what we used to think of as television. It's everything is done as you would make a film.
0: Yeah, also But also with less time, still the timeline of television. it also
2: gives composers, I think, maybe more space to work on like more than one project at a time. Like if you have somebody to share the responsibility, you can be working on two shows or three shows, like, which is, you know, not for everybody. Definitely not for me. But um, I think that's also a lot what is happening, that composers are going between a few projects at a time with co-composers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Something that really excited me about this score, especially in my own work as a composer, I mainly do electro acoustic work on stage for large ensembles and also in my film scoring. What really excited me when I was watching this show was the blend of, you know, those acoustical instruments and you exploring the different soundscape possibilities. I was you kind of touched on this, but how did this affect the process of what was recorded? What was it, especially when, you know, you had that limited timeline?
1: Well, I, I think we were figuring out a sound and it, when we first started. We luckily this, what we are at right, first ideas for the sound resonated with Clio. So we, we got into that pretty quickly. and But we made a, a lot of nice discoveries along the way. There's no electronics in the score. Everything's. Sort of created from acoustic materials that we recorded but did a lot of pitch shifting and a lot of uh, mangling and, and and just sort of treating the acoustic sounds and there was a lot of cool things that we discovered like slowing down violin into the cello range sounds really beautiful and it doesn't sound like a cello but it has a really beautiful quality and these these are sort of modern techniques that we Get to play with, and the timbers of the sounds are such a big part of how you feel it. You play. We had the same. You know, we had a couple situations where we recorded a piece with a quintet in a beautiful studio, and then we did the same version with just cello playing all of the lines, and the cello sounded more interesting. It's the same piece of music, but just how you approach it and how you record it, it changes the the feeling of it it sounds more fragile the the cello playing high has is more strained than a a violin and it it sounds less chambery and and gives it an interesting sound and that's something that you know it's 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 hard to you know when you've recorded a beautiful quintet in a studio it's really hard to just go no we're not going to use that but because it's it, it you know there's so much work that goes into it but when you you know when you put it up against something else and then you just realize oh it's it, it's better like this and it, it it sounds more interesting and i think that that's really so so much of the work is realizing when a sound is just better in a different way even if you're doing it doing it in you know in a way that maybe isn't classic or correct
0: mm-hmm. i i really vibe with what you're saying about cello. It's the timbre, at least in my opinion, that is closest to the human voice and that's what makes it so cool. Yeah. Um so, so in that same vein, this is a really like niche question. Um Spitfire or East West, you know, they often will pair up with film sp- scoring composers. And by composers I mean Hans Zimmer and some of his friends. <laughs> um, they'll come out with packages that are like, these are the kind of sounds we created, and now you can use them too. If you were to come out with, you know, a package of, oh, these are what we went with, what would be in it if you said this is the Essex Serpent Spitfire package? <laughs>
2: um yeah i guess it would be pretty textural closed mic cello doing something that cello (laughs) is not supposed to do pitch shifted down a triad maybe (laughs) or like maybe like a viola that is like pitch shift down like a few steps sounding like a weird hybrid between cello and viola
1: (laughs) i mean it would be be, yeah just uh, Bringing down acoustic instruments uh, a third is really—you don't notice it so much, but you get an extra long decay, and it's such a—it's—it's it's a really beautiful sound. It—it it, it almost makes the recording sound deeper as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. I don't think there's a—I don't think there's a pitched string library. So yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: That, well, that we will get a <laughs> uh, license on that.
1: Nobody yeah. else can do it. Yeah, we're gonna contact them right away. <laughs>
0: Patent, do it. People will pay money for almost any package <laughs> that allows them to spend less time playing with logic toggles.
1: Yeah, I mean, recording everything is a really time consuming venture. And we kind you of just
0: can't
2: do it with sample libraries. That's my yeah. opinion. You just can't get the emotion. It's not like, no matter like how cool it's recorded, you just, it's
0: not the same no oh no i totally agree i'm just thinking diversification of income
1: yeah (laughs) you're much smarter
0: (laughs) oh i also got a business degree i don't plan on using it but you know i got it and so i i've gotta ask because i stalked the social medias and i wasn't quite sure what the answer is what are or was your primary instruments
2: um i'm like a pretty bad piano player like played the piano as a kid and stopped practicing so like i'm like primarily i would say my instrument is like the computer good answer yeah and then yeah, like I, electronics electronics yeah. you know that i can I, I create like a lot of what i want to create just in in the computer and like i have a bunch of also like um synths and hardware stuff that i use
1: uh, but i'm not
2: really a, a great instrument player at anything i use my voice as well
1: uh i mean yeah pia- i play piano but i think that the the thing that's interesting is the deeper you get into composing and and producing and recording the less time you have to practice so i don't know if i'm a piano player anymore but you know, i play and,
0: season one of this podcast I did during lockdown and so a question I asked every time uh I did an episode was when was the last time you practiced and because we were in lockdown we got a whole range of answers like I still haven't touched my trumpet since high school or I took out my trombone for the first time yesterday in five years because I had nothing else to do yeah
1: uh well I I I had to. Pr- I did a concert uh, a couple months ago, so I had to practice for that. But since the concert, I haven't had time.
2: <laughs> yeah, you practice. I haven't yeah. played anything with sheet music since I was twenty-two.
0: <laughs> you know what sounds okay to me? I'm twenty-two right now, so
2: uh. <laughs> it's a good time to stop.
0: <laughs> I did just well, get my degree,
2: so
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you know, it, with with how you can work write music you don't always have to be the player and I think it's really fun to work I mean the cellist that we worked with is so good she's such an amazing player it's such a joy to work with somebody who's so good at their instrument and write parts for them and do things you can never do so that's as long as you've got that you're all right
0: heck yeah that's how I started um working with percussionists so much was they don't really know oh I can't make that sound they're like I'm gonna find a way to make that sound or I'm going to die trying
1: yeah <laughs> well you know I, I, we actually worked with a, an amazing percussionist his name's tattoo he's from Finland and for Essex we did a session and he came up and in, in, into the studio and he's just started grabbing just different objects he grabbed a flower pot a shovel a weird steel pipe some PVC, some cutlery, and he—that's all of the percussion in. Um, aside from a, a bit of low tom, all of the percussion in Essex is just done with these found objects. He bowed the shovel and did he did some really amazing, strange-sounding percussion that ended up working really well.
0: And these things were just in the studio. You guys were in. You just picked it up off the ground.
1: Yeah, he just we there's a there's a few studios here, and he, there was there's a common area, and he grabbed some things from the common area, and there was some construction going on, so he grabbed a four, he grabbed the shovel, he just grabbed a bunch of things. We we set up a kit, and he basically just used the kit to hold the objects, and he wasn't actually playing it. So, um, it, and I think that that's I mean that's the great thing with percussion is anything can become interesting and in how you record it and if you have somebody's creative
0: a percussionist going to a construction site and just taking something for the sake of playing it is the most percussionist thing I mean,
1: I mean it sounds like a, it sounds like a bad version of stomp but it actually <laughs> yeah, it came out pretty good
0: no <laughs> So, the music school I just graduated from has had construction going on across the street from it for like the past two years. And it got to a point where they had to tell the percussionist to stop taking stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they they want to drum on everything. I think that's their nature
0: it it really is. We yeah. we had these giant so when we first came to school after lockdown, we had these giant um like poles. That the university provided for making sure every seat was six feet in between, right? That's what it was supposed to be for. But the percussionists just saw a bunch of giant boomwhackers. <laughs> so they took the pipes out of every room and started using them as rhythm sticks instead.
1: <laughs> well, that's good. You know, they probably we were just gonna get thrown away after. So it's <laughs> great.
0: They're like, this is mine now. <laughs> when so using you know your percussionist brain of you know always learning from the environment around you what was something new that you learned from this project either as a composer or just a person
2: Well, we both got, we are neither of us is a string player. So it's a a little bit intimidating when you are not a string player to create like three hours of music based around the string instrument. So I think, you know, you learn a lot uh, from doing projects like this. Like my first thought was like, oh my God, I'm never going to do a string score again. Like, just bring me back to electronics. But in a way it is good to challenge yourself, uh, stepping out of what you know to do and just going for it because it can also be interesting when you don't know everything it can bring something interesting to the table
1: yeah yeah i think we there's the classic way of performing and, and writing for strings but i think we got to explore so many of the sounds that the cello can produce and different parts of the cello and 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 how high notes sounds and Layering things, that was the, it, we learned a lot in in that process. And there some of the some of the sessions, especially like the last session, it's a mix of it's about three hundred tracks. and 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 it's because it's layers and layers of cello, close mic cello, close mic viola, violin. Then we recorded uh, a, a string orchestra. And it was the blend of all of this sound that gives it all of these elements. And so there was a, it was a, it was a really, I learned a lot just how you just don't have to have one homogenous orchestra sound. You can layer it with different things and get a lot of interesting. It pulls out a lot of interesting things. So that was a big thing that we took.
0: I love that. I might, I might steal that for my next orchestra session it's steampunk so yeah. <laughs> so finally this is something new i'm doing with season 3 of this show what is one question that you would like to ask me turn the tables
1: uh well you said you were you're still in school just graduating
0: just graduated undergrad starting my masters in the fall uh, oh what is your master I'm getting my master's actually in arts administration specifically because I want to start doing more nonprofit work.
1: Okay. Okay, cool. Do you want to be a film composer?
0: I like film composing on the side. I have lots of producers that I love working with, but one thing I personally learned while doing my um, composition undergrad was I don't personally get a lot of fulfillment from being in the studio for ten hours a day, so that's why I want to expand into doing nonprofit work and then continue doing films with the producers. I love doing films for.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's it's a commitment to being alone.
0: It's a
2: real <laughs> commitment.
1: <laughs> you have to know what you're getting into. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: I'm glad I experienced that. In tw- in 2021, I did. I think I ended up doing 20 different short films, and pretty much every hour I wasn't in the classroom, I was in Logic or Ableton, depending on the project. And for me, I learned as much as I love that work, I don't love it enough to continue doing it for 10 hours a day, every day.
1: Well, it's good you know that now.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's good to know early. Yeah. Yes. All right, well, thank you guys for coming on the show and congrats on the amazing success that this series has been. I wish you all the best and hopefully get to bring you guys on the show for another project in the future. Yeah, Yeah. thank
1: you. Thank you for having us. Wish you the best too. Yeah, good luck with, with everything
0: of course have a great rest of your day okay bye. bye
1: i grew up hearing how they found us in the early dark age started harnessing a magic that we couldn't explain no more hiding in caves once we get afraid then we call down the lightning and summon the waves the sheer potential of my species is to come and unleash the weaklings now lay waste to the beast that once taught us now no pain that nature can't cause us scrape the skies while gods above watch us spawn inevitable engines of progress gotta have you for every stem project in the burgeoning urban the concrete congress Even in the earliest days of prophets, we knew this world was ours to alter. Rhythm of the city keeps getting stronger. Magic missiles launch a rocket. Even in the earliest days of prophets, they said this world would be our altar. Border of the city keep getting longer. You can't stop, you've got to rock it. Even with the latest new age and profit, they said this world would be our altar. Homo sapiens cannot falter.